Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by Salty Seafood Waterfront Restaurants. Visit them on the water at their Alki, Redondo, and Portland locations. Coming to you live at the Test Kitchen Studio high atop Queen Anne Hill, it is time for the Seattle Dining Show. Join us as we explore news about Northwest restaurants, take a look at upcoming events, discover new kitchen tips you can use at home, dive into great recipes, and much more. And now, here's your host, the senior editor, Connie Adams, and whoever else just happened to drop by today. Welcome to the Seattle Dining Show, number 1602. I'm Connie Adams, and I'm with Tom Marin, publisher of Seattle Dining Today. Our co-host for the past few months, Jamie Piha, is deep into Pop and Seattle Wine and Food Experience Weekend. That's coming up in February, and she has a lot to do, so she's not with us today. But she did send us two general admission tickets for the Seattle Wine and Food Experience Grand Tasting at 1 o'clock on Sunday, February 21st. Those are worth $60 a piece, so that's 120 value. 120 bucks. Yeah. So all you have to do is be the first person to email me at connie at seattledining.com and correctly tell me where Seattle Wine and Food Experience is being held this year, and you will win those tickets. It's, uh, it's at that place, isn't it? Yeah, you know the place. Yeah, it's at the place. Yeah. The place, the place, the place. Yeah. That same place. <laughs> hey, for 120 bucks, get some tickets. That sounds like a good deal. That, you don't even have to go. You can sell them on Craigslist, right? <laughs> yeah, tell, tell Jamie that, would you please? <laughs> um, later, we're going to talk about a series we've been doing on the magazine about long-running restaurants. But first, Tom and I like to start the show out by talking about some places we've been recently. One of the surprises for me was that I was at Duke's at South Center a couple weeks ago. And historically, we've not been terribly fond of Dukes. Um, And so it was just a convenient place to meet some people, and we got there. And I was honestly quite impressed. They have um, an an interesting menu, relatively large, and it was good. I really enjoyed the lunch. I had some soup and a sandwich. They have some nice combos. So I stopped eating there about 12 years ago. Yeah. And... uh what we know now is that one of the sons has His taken son. it over. Yeah, Duke's son. And kind of spiffed up the food quality is what I understand. Apparently, because um, it's, you know, it's a different menu. It's a larger menu and some really interesting things, and they're executing well. Huh. Yeah. I might give it a try someday. Yeah. I think it's well worth trying again. Um. Tom, you and I went recently for dinner at La Cocina Oaxaqueña on Capitol Hill. You have to say it because I can't. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us about that experience. Um, well, this would be the first of our three-part series on smoky places we've eaten this month. <laughs> um, it was uh, it was good food. Mm-hmm. It was jam-packed because it's so close to the theater area of downtown that a lot of people will go there and get their dinner and want to get out quick so they make their show in time. And we were there on a Saturday, so. Yeah, yeah. It was good and busy. Um, what's, it, what's it at the corner of up there? Pike and Pine? Yikes. It's pretty close to Melrose, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, because you go, you're right up from the Mel, Melrose Market. There. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, uh, good food, um, okay service, um, good guacamole. Good guacamole. But, um you know, we got home, 
And we had to take off all our clothes and throw them in the laundry yep. and take showers because that's how smoky it was. And I don't know. Uh, it appears that they have a hood. I don't know if something wasn't working or that's, just the volume. That's what I'm noticing is a lot of these people have open kitchens. Now, this place has an open kitchen, but they don't have the horsepower in the hood to get all the yeah. the smoke out. Yeah. And we've we've seen this at various places around town, and we have... Two to go as we're talking here today about that. So, <laughs> uh, Another one that we tried out for lunch one day was Nola's on Bainbridge. And I hate to, you know, hit on negative. Well, this is actually the first sort of negative thing besides the smoke we were talking about. But I've been hearing about Nola's forever. It's been there for so long. It really is a comfortable, kind of nice place to go in and sit down. And uh, the, the uh, menu items seemed kind of interesting to me. And I just was not impressed with the food. Now, I think if you lived on Bainbridge, you don't have a whole lot of choices. Yeah. And it's an affordable choice. It's not bad. No, it wasn't bad. No, it's, it's, it's good. It's just not... I, I wouldn't... Well, <laughs> we did. But I wouldn't purposely take a ferry just to go there. Yeah. But we had a, be- a meeting that we yeah. went to, so... And if you are going to purposely go over there, I think you'd have to go to Marche. Absolutely. So, that would be the one to go to. Yeah. Yeah. So. And then you went to the lodge downtown, and I went to the lodge in Greenwood. Yeah. So what did you think about the one downtown? Um, I thought that it's a cool atmosphere. I like the feel of the place. I like the look of the place. Uh, the We were there really early. We got there a little before 1130, and the staff was really nice and, you know, very helpful and everything. And it looked like sort of good classic pub food, you know, burgers and mm-hmm. sandwiches and stuff. But I have to say I had the the beef stew, and it was sort of supposed to be a family recipe or something, and oh, I, okay. I would not do that again. Huh. Huh. Well, I went to the one in Greenwood and uh, had a meeting there with somebody, and uh, we tried different stuff. And uh, it was it was good. It was good presentation. Yes. You know, I, I think I had the burger, mm-hmm. and he had the uh, might have been a prime rib dip. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it was fun, although they were installing a curtain in front of the door while we were there, oh. so we were hearing them drill through the walls the whole time. <laughs> uh, that's okay. That you know, that's just stuff they got to get done in a day. But um, I'd go back. It's a little bit pricey. But they do have a nice selection of liquors. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was able to get uh, some Crater Lake gin. Oh, nice! So you know a lot of uh, you know we can get a lot of Crater Lake vodka around the city, but it's harder to find the gin in, in different restaurants. Yeah. So you know, the, it's a family who's doing all these lodges. It's a couple and I think a son and a daughter-in-law or something oh, like that. Oh, well, they got like six or seven or they've eight. They've expanded or nine or ten. really quickly, so they've got a lot. And then I believe it's the son is the person who, and I think they're all involved, but he's taken the lead on the Charlies on Broadway. Oh, yeah. They have left it as Charlies, the name, but they have totally gone in and cleaned it up because, you know, you would have to. So no more $2 burgers, huh? Probably not. Okay. And it's supposed to be actually a little more focused on the bar part of it than the food. I think the food's still, you know, going to be just fine. Mm -hmm. So that's another one to check out that's connected but not a lodge. And then I was just uh, thinking that I wish I had gone to Morsel. I, I went in there the other day at 10 and 10.30, 10.40 in the morning thinking, we can get in here and out of here, no problem. At this time of morning, it's going to be a coffee biscuit place in the you know early. Mm-hmm. And this was a weekday. 
And uh, they told us it would be 15 minutes before we could get our food, and we had another place to be, so we just had to leave. But I would like to go back. I think it's a really interesting. They've got several different kinds of biscuits, and then you can do different fixings on them. I heard it's it's better than when it was the Blue Dog. Oh, I'm sure. And I heard it doesn't have the attitude the Blue Dog had, because the Blue Dog had a horrible attitude. Oh. No, they were really nice. When I asked how long it would be, it wasn't like, get out of line, please. The guy said, let me check. And he ran back, and he looked at what was being cooked on the grill and looked yeah. at all the tickets, and then he came back and said, it's going to be about 15 minutes. He was very apologetic. It's not that big of a place, so if you want to go, you might want to try to go early, like right when they open, so you get yeah. a seat when you go in the door. Every, every seat was taken, and there was like, two or three cars in the drive-thru getting coffee. It was a wild morning. Hmm. So, Speaking of wild. Speaking of wild. Wild Fin American Grill has opened at Point Ruston in Tacoma. And you know where the... The, um, the smelter was. Yeah, the copper smelter, but I'm talking about down further. Uh, Promenade is what I'm trying to say. Oh, okay. Uh, Katie Downs and Harbor Lights and all that stuff that's been there a long time. Yeah, and the Ram. and the, yeah, yeah, it's way beyond that. So if okay. you think you've gone so too far... So it's almost to the end. It's almost up to the ferry dock. Maybe. Yeah, it's, it's way you up. You don't have to go through the tunnel, though, do you? Or do they take that away? I believe they took the tunnel away. Oh, okay. Yeah. Huh. But Wildfin is in uh, Renton Landing and Issaquah Commons already. I think it was 2011 in Issaquah, 2013 in Renton. And this one is a little more um, upscale because they're dealing with neighbors like the lobster shop. So they have a, a little bit more expanded menu. They've got a counter right in front of their open kitchen so you mm-hmm. can watch everything. I they think, got some good horsepower under the hood. Yeah, I'm hoping so. I was there on the day they were doing their soft opening. And when they open a restaurant, and they train their staff all week long. But the op- sort of opening night, not public night, is a fundraiser. And they specifically invite certain people. Oh, yeah. And all the money, everything they order and pay for goes to, uh, in this case, the Broadway Performing Arts Center in Tacoma. And then if they choose to donate something more, and I believe that Attila told me they raised $7,000 that night. That's good. So it was, you know, uh, uh, they seem like uh, some really nice people. There'll be a story up on that on Seattle Dining very soon. So I'm looking forward to going and trying that. All right. And then we went to... um Ballard and went to, uh, I don't know, North Ballard, Crown Hill, whatever you want to call it. We went to Cafe Munier. I hadn't been there for a while. And uh, I don't know. It's, it's, it's not doing it for me like it used to. I liked it when, it when it first opened up, but it's just not. And the funny thing is that you liked it and I didn't when it first woke opened up. And I still am not crazy about it. Yeah. A little and bit I, smoky, too. It was. Smoky part, two. And I had um, great hopes for it because the guy has worked around a number of places, including Serafina, He's got some chops, you know. I, I don't know. I'm not sure why I'm not enjoying it as much as I think I should. And we went to um, the Fresh Bistro over in West Seattle because we hadn't been there in a few years. And uh, almost had to take off all our clothes and take a shower when we got <laughs> home. That place was smoky, too. Yeah. Uh, but it didn't ruin all my clothes so bad. Mm-mm. But that's uh, smoky part three in case you're keeping tabs here. <laughs> I like the uh, atmosphere there, and there's a counter, well, a bar. And it really is, because it's in West Seattle and it's in a, I believe it's an apartment building, it really is kind of a neighborhood feel. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, some of the stuff on the menu is kind of gastro-freaky. A little it's bit. It's not stuff you'd normally expect to find or be blown away by what they tell you. 
you could you could look this up online and look at their menu. You'll see what I'm talking about. They tell you that there's these ingredients that are together in these dishes, and it's kind of like, I'm uh, not so sure that's really yeah. kind of hit a home run with me. I don't know. I think that's maybe Dallas, the uh, the original executive chef. I don't know if he's – I know he's still involved. I don't know if he's just an owner or is actually there doing it. Um, but he likes to put in a lot of uh, – there's a lot of Asian influences in there. So – so yeah, so so uh, sorry everybody if I sound so negative, but yeah. uh, wasn't a great dining month for me. You know what? Um, since we're since we're being negative, that day we decided to go try something new for lunch as well, and we went to the Marco Polo. What was that lounge or Marco Polo? Oh, down in the in, Soto, yeah, in Soto, where and, they claim uh, to have the best fried chicken, which you did not believe to be true. Well, I'd, I'd take the eleven herbs and spices over that. Yeah, and I had a. Uh, what did I have? Like a burger dip or something, and mm-hmm. it was okay. I've, it's all right, you know. And it, uh, it again. And it's been uh, there forever. Oh, it's fifty years or something. Yeah. And, you know, another neighborhood place. The people who go there all know each other. So there's a nice feel. There's a fire pit inside. There's there's reasons to be. Oh, yeah, there. it's like you walked in an old loves. Yeah. Like Goofy's yeah. got the fire pit inside. <laughs> all right. All right. So uh, next. Let's see, this month, February, we're heading to Walla Walla, so we're going to have some news about our trip to Walla Walla when we come back with the February show. And uh, and I promise you, I'm going to search and search and find a restaurant that just blows me away. I'm going to tell you all about it on the <laughs> February show. We're going to be all positive next month, and that, that would be March, so. <laughs> all right, uh, we'll talk about News Bites and what's on the calendar, but I wanted to talk. I want to take a break. Oh, okay. And then, uh, and then we'll be back as we're going to talk about the restaurant champions. Yes. Okay. Hi, I'm Emma from Seattle, and my favorite restaurant is Etta's on the waterfront. Their salmon is unbeatable. I love Armstrong Winery in Woodenville, and I'm a fan of Basil Cellars. Hi, this is Jeff Yerka with Davenport Cellars in the Woodenville Warehouse District, and you're listening to the Seattle Dining Show. Welcome back to the Seattle Dining Show. I'm Tom Marin, and uh, we're here with Connie Adams, the senior editor of the magazine. And we're talking about restaurants around Seattle, the Puget Sound, all kinds of stuff. Uh, we have some really special guests coming in the studio later on for an interview. And uh, it's uh, Roseanne and Charles Finkel from... Uh, Pike Brewing Company. Pike Brewing Company. And uh, we love those guys. They are always with us, cooking with class, and always really good with us. And it's going to be fun to have them in here. So stick around and don't miss that interview later on in the show. But right now, we're going to talk about the new column we started this month. Or actually, we started it in January. And it's called Restaurant Champions. And it's where Connie picks uh, five to seven different restaurants that have been around for a long time. And they're places that you don't see pop up in the headlines of the newspaper every day. And and it's not all the newfangled stuff. These are... uh, Stalwarts, isn't that what we call them? Yeah, they're yeah. they're people who have been very successful, continue to be successful, do that job day in and day out, and they don't get the 
the rave reviews or the new reviews anymore because they've been around so long, and they really deserve to be talked about. So for January, who were some of the ones that we were talking about online? Well, we had Ponty, which hit their 25th anniversary last November. Yeah. Um, and we had Wild Ginger, which is 26 20, years old, over I think. Tw- no, over 20. We have Paragon, which has been 20 years up on top of Queen yeah. Anne. That's an amazing... You know, you just think a neighborhood kind of upper pub style in 20 years. 13 Coins is on there. And people think about it. They they might hear about it because they're opening some new spots um, after all these years. But the reality was it was 1967. Huh. And nobody did 24 hours then. Now, they, they still have the place down by the Seattle Times building. Right. Is that going to get shut down and yes, turned into some sort of... The the permitting hasn't even gone yet, so um, for the because they're tearing it down like everything else and putting a big building in. Yeah, most likely they will go back. There's two buildings going up. They will probably go back in okay. one of them, but it will be a couple years yeah. before they go down. Are they going to open up somewhere else in Seattle? Uh, no, because they're, they're going back in there. Okay. Um, but in the meantime, SeaTac is there. They've opened in Bellevue and they're opening in Pioneer Square. Oh, okay. So, yeah. So, they're so opening Pioneer Square. So, yeah. they're going to be in Seattle. Yeah. Yeah. Another one that people kind of don't think of in terms of a restaurant, but I just have to mention it because I love the place, is Jazz Alley. Uh-huh. It may not always just knock your socks off food-wise, but they produce, and they produce all that food at the same time because people go in, you know, like an hour before the show, mm-hmm. and they've got to take an order and produce everybody's food right at the same time. Well, I think they got, they got it down where they, they keep the orders flowing in a few minutes apart so the kitchen isn't just getting jammed yeah. with everything at one time. But, uh, yeah, they definitely yeah. do a course, good dance down there on that. And the music, the people they bring in are just top-notch, top-flight. And so it's really quite a wonderful thing. And they have been going for... Let's see, since 1979. Wow. Wow. Another one that I have always loved and don't go too often enough is Il Terrazzo Carmine down in Pioneer Square. That's been there since 1984, and then Carmine did die in 2012. His wife and sons are carrying it on, and in fact, they've opened a bar, kind of lounge, on on first, so they have a presence on first um, called Intermezzo. And that's a okay. very cool-looking place. And the food, you know, at Carmine is just wonderful. It's, it's another one that if, if you're new in the area and you want some fine, traditional Italian but upscale food mm-hmm. in a great atmosphere, you've got to check that out. Another one is Icon Grill. Oh, yeah. 1998. And um, at that time, it was ahead of its time. It's really eclectic inside, tons of glass, blown glass yeah. stuff. Nobody was doing that then either. Yeah, we didn't even know who Dale Chihuly was by then, did yeah. we? And that wasn't even his stuff, so there you go. <laughs> um, so that's uh, another one that's really fun to go into. And then Purple. You hear a lot about Purple because they've started, it's the heavy restaurant group, and they've yeah. started other concepts like Barrio and Lot Number 3, mm-hmm. things like that. But this um, was the first, right? Purple was the first, and yeah. it was out in Woodenville, and um, it was 2001, so it's been 15 years. Yeah, it was in Woodenville where the roundabout is now, and there wasn't a roundabout there before. It's still there. Well, it, but it's expanded. It's much no, larger. No, 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 but it was, it was a stop sign. It was just a stop sign. It wasn't. Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I thought you said that the restaurant was right where the roundabout was, and it was like, no, no, no. no. 
But then all kinds of stuff has changed out there. There used to be that barbecue place next door. That's all gone. That's gone. There used to be a gas station kitty corner to it. That's gone. Now it's just it's so different now than it was back in 2001. Yeah. You know, another thing I like about our list, and we'll go on with the last few, but they're all over the, the uh, map in terms of types of food. Yeah. It's really great. Um, the next one is Cafe Veloce, which is out in Juanita. That's been there since uh, 1992. And it's had two owners. The Juanita, or is that Kirkland? Well, it's surely in Kirkland, maybe, I think. Okay, Kirkland. Yeah. So, um... It's had two owners. It, oh, Liz well, and then her dad owned it before. Oh, uh, it was the couple who owned it, and they gave it up or to their one of their kids, and Liz bought it from the kid. The, oh. I think. Is it, in fact, I believe I said this. I don't know. Uh, he sold the restaurant to his daughter and son-in-law who hired Liz in 1997. Okay. And then in 2000, she bought it. So it's it was family. You yeah, know, yeah. And then really her son, years. Nick, is kind of the GM over there now. Oh, wow. So he's he's really grown up. I knew Nick when he was probably in high school. Wow. But he's kind of running the show over there now. So. That's one of the things as I talk to people about these, the, the people who own these places, is that they all say that same thing. You know, the people would come in and bring their kids and now their kids either work for us or they bring their families in yeah yeah and if you like motorcycles like i like motorcycles and he does uh, they have some nice motorcycle memorabilia there most of it is italian or european stuff stuff but uh, uh always a fun time to go over and look and see what they have on display they kind of change things around here and there and mm-hmm so and don't they give a 10 percent discount if you come on your bike they do if you ride your motorcycle you get 10 percent off yeah. your check the last one we talked about in January was Canlis, and this is, again, we talk about, uh, maybe you don't know these places. Well, everyone knows about Canlis, but I don't think people realize that it opened in 1950. Yeah, and only six chefs through the entire lineage. Yeah. I just saw an article, maybe this was in the Seattle Times today. No, it was in the Business Journal, I think, um, that Mark and the new chef went to Japan because Visit Seattle is trying to get Japanese consumers over here. Yeah, I saw that in the paper. Yeah. So, interesting. So, yeah. they're, they're hopping. And there's more family lineage there with... Exactly. The sons who took it over from their dad, who took it over from his dad. Yeah. So, so, and um, I've already written our February, and I just did five for well, February. Tease us. What yes. are we going to see when it comes out? Don't, don't tell us about them. Just t- tell us their names. You know, I did February and March at the same time, so I'll just throw a few out. Um, Sunlight Cafe Vegetarian. Um, Pesos. Taco Lounge is how that oh, started before yeah. it became what it is now. Yeah, no details. Yeah, oh, just sorry. names. Okay. Queen City Grill. Russell's. Wow, Russell's been uh, around that long, oh, yeah. huh? And Sea Star. Sea Star, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Nels. Osteria Nels. Las Biga. Yeah. There's a lot more coming. And, of course, we just did a story in the January uh, issue about Perque No, and they're on that list. And you, got, you got Cafe Lago on there? That's coming up in uh, March. Okay, and good. Yeah. So so it's really a fun thing. I think this is going to go on for a while because there are a lot of restaurants that have been here a long time. I think that's great. All right. Okay. Well, let's, uh, let's take a break, and when we come back, we'll take a look at some of the latest tidbits from our News Bites file. 
Hi, this is Laura from Bothell, and one of my favorite restaurants in the Winneville area is Purple Cafe. Hello, I'm Larry Graham with Queen Anne Olive Oil, and welcome to the Seattle Dining Show. Welcome back to the Seattle Dining Show. Tom and I are just going to head right into News Bites and talk about some things going on in the industry. And um, as always, you can follow these kind of pieces of information on our Twitter account, at Seattle Dining One, or reading the News Bites column at www.seattledining.com. Yeah, we made it easy. You don't have to have a Twitter account. Exactly. Um, The first one I want to talk about, because it makes me sad, is that Tanglewood Supreme in Magnolia closed um, in probably late December. And I, it was a funny location on a little side street, which in a way makes it interesting. You know, you feel like you found a little gem. It's almost like a little alley over there in exactly. Magnolia. And uh, it was just a great spot for fish. And uh, I was talking with another writer, and they were saying, yeah, that's really so sad, but, you know, I never did go back after it first opened. And I was like, I only went once, but I did go back. And they were so busy all the time, it was very difficult to get in. So, I th- so maybe it was so busy, everybody decided not to go anymore, and then it wasn't busy anymore. Yeah, I'm wondering if it was a lifestyle decision. Like, you know, running a restaurant is not that easy, and maybe they wanted to do something else. I don't know. But anyway, sadly, it's gone. And it's not it- like their food was unseasonably seasonable. <laughs> unseasonably seasonable? <laughs> I don't even know what that means. <laughs> Uh, let's see. We mentioned Heavy Restaurant Group earlier in our Restaurant Champions section, but I'll tell you, they're still moving ahead. They've got um, Meet the Moon opening at the end of January. And then in Wallingford by summer, in the uh, Brooks Shoe Store, the Stone 34 building, is they're putting a new one in that they haven't named yet, and it will be a different concept, breakfast, lunch, and dinner for the neighborhood. Oh, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. According to what the paper said, uh, uh, nobody eats lunch anymore, so why would you do that? I don't know. Well, I know. That's an interesting thing. A lot of people don't serve lunch anymore. and uh, I, I still eat lunch almost every day. I know. I, I, I still go out to lunch. And you know what? I, I think I can say safely that you and I both really like our jobs, and we work very hard. But I don't get that. I can't even take lunch. I just have to be at work. Yeah. There's a, a life balance there that we're losing somehow. Um, out at the Fireside Lounge at Willow's Lodge, um, they are this starting... This out in Woodenville, right? Woodenville, yes. They're at, uh, starting a thing called Perfect Pairings, and it starts on February 10th, 5.30 to 6.30, um, and it's like, I believe it's weekly. I didn't put that in there. This This Twitter thing with... You know, 140 characters is difficult yeah. sometimes. you got to say it all in one yeah. mouthful. But you get uh, to taste some wine, beer, spirits, and they're small bites, and then they have live music. So just, you know, if you just want some place to sort of go and relax and have a little bit of a bite, that's, that's a fun thing. that's once a month or? Well, that's why I'm saying I didn't have it in there. So I oh. think it's weekly, and they're just doing it through March or something like that. It's not oh, a It's okay. not a forever thing. Well, maybe we should put those dates in the calendar and. Then we can say as much as we want. Yeah. There you go. All right. And then local eatery down in uh, Union? 
Yeah, Lake well, Union. Lake Union, South Lake Union on Terry Avenue. That is opening on February fifth, and although they're very adamant about the fact that this is a brand new concept, this is fabulous, this is new. It is from the company that owns Joey. Oh, okay. So um, I think I don't think that's a negative. I think that's a positive. I think the food at Joey is yeah, really good. Yeah, we love Joey's food. And so I think they're what they're doing is what they're saying is that they've created a place that's like your living room and rec room, and it's got an '80s throwback feeling, and you can go hang out. They've got a area where they've got um, bicycle racks and water pumps, some tools. If you need to fix your bike, you can take your dog in there. So they're really making it a place to just hang. Uh huh. And uh, do they have a quiet room where I can go? I don't know, but they do have a traditional Lebanese spit that they're cooking their pork on so i think it's going to be kind of just ride your bike in fix your bike eat your lebanese fish yum (laughs) fish it's pork oh pork and uh, and it's that's just a few things they're doing on there um petra i'm very excited about because we have always really liked petra down in um it's on fourth in belton mediterranean food mediterranean and it is really good and it's a pretty small place and they have taken over the space to the north of them. They should be open this week, actually. That's good. And it's really long. And, and good, good news for you, they've put in a lounge. Okay. So um, they're still going to do their belly dancing on Saturdays at 7.30. There's just, you can't even touch the place on a now, Saturday. Will the, will the belly dancers make their way into the lounge as well? Or we, we don't know that yet. I don't know that. Hmm. But they have the space to do so if they so choose. Yeah. Uh, Paseo. Everybody loves Paseo. We're used to love Paseo. And uh, opening up a new location, uh, we hear it's in Pioneer Square. Uh, someone at the local paper says it's in Soto. So, uh, I don't know. Keep Stay tuned with us, and we'll, we'll let you know when we know more later. Exactly. And Chaco Canyon is debuting a new brunch menu um, at the end of January, actually. They did it at all locations, West Seattle U District and Greenwood. These guys are 100% vegan. And it's really delicious food. It's so, where I go when I want to have a vegetarian or vegan lunch. Yeah. You know, I get a nice soup down there. Good good kind of vegan comfort food, you yeah. know. Lots of gluten-free and all that. Yeah. So. And uh, the owner, Chris, told me one time I did a story with him, and he said that, you know, interestingly, they did not put anything out about uh, – valentine's day but he told me a year or so ago that they do killer valentine's day meals hmm. so interesting i'll have to look that up and see if they're actually doing something grab your vegan valentine and yeah. get some vittles <laughs> uh let's see here um over and out cassis in west seattle that'll be the third location they've shut down and uh, the rumor is that the guys are looking at opening somewhere else nearby i don't know where he that's very vague. He thinks he may open someplace else, but two people that work there, Chef Andy Deckel and Megan Hartz, are opening in the Cassis spot, and it's uh, Marley Bistro. Oh, okay. Okay. So. And uh, another heartbreaker over and out, Oasian, down in uh, downtown. I know. That one does break my heart. I really thought it was the best dim sum around, and although no one ever went there for dinner, it was killer food. It was about the best Chinese food, if you ask me, in Seattle. 
because nothing in the international district does it for me. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's just my taste buds. Yeah. But uh, uh, they had you know really good sauces oh, and yeah. good preparation on their food. It was done right. Yeah, never overcooked or. But but the rumor is that uh, former owner Walter will uh, resurface possibly nearby here yeah. in Seattle somewhere. So, so don't don't give up on him. It's going to be probably maybe a little something different. Yeah. So we'll uh, keep you posted. And then uh, I know there's a real heartbreaker for all you folks who like to shop at South Center. Go ahead, <laughs> Connie, tell them what happened. Oh, don't cry. Don't cry. Uh, Rainforest Cafe is gone. Oh, God. It was just uh, like 12 million square feet of wild animal sounds. It was a lovely place to have lunch. <laughs> Um, I don't, it, they must have scared an entire generation of children. <laughs> but anyway, the, the good news for those of you who adore Din Tai Fung is that they have taken over 9,000 square feet of that space. So, um, and they are also opening in uh, West, is it Westlake? In the old Stars thing, you know. The, oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So yeah, that place that comes and goes all the time is yeah, different things. Exactly. So they're on the move, just like some of these other people. All right. Well, you, you know what's coming up this month? What's that? Valentine's Day. No way. And you know what? You did a great job cranking so many <laughs> events into the calendar, and we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about events going on in February, and we'll touch on some of the Valentine's Day events. We'll see you back here in a moment. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by Ponte Seafood Grill. Hi, this is Chef Alvin Venuya from Ponte Seafood Grill, and you are listening to the Seattle Dining Show. Welcome back to the Seattle Dining Show. As we mentioned earlier, we're heading into the calendar, and Valentine's events are taken over. But in addition to the typical, you know, fabulous dinner, there's some other interesting things going on around Valentine's. But first we want to talk about some very early-in-the-month wine dinners. The first is on the third. Well, they're both on the third. One is at Blue Acre Seafood, and one is at Orfeo. Now, those are owned by Kevin and Teresa yeah, so what, uh, one of them's going to have to be in one location, the other one's going to have to be in the other location, huh? Oh, you know, they've got sous chefs, they've got people taking care of things, I don't know who's where. They'll probably be at home taking care of the boys. Maybe that's what it is. <laughs> and the girl. Don't forget her. Oh, yeah. Um, but uh, on the 3rd at Blue Acre, it's a Janik wine dinner, and you know Janik wines, please. And you know how I Yum. feel about Kevin's food, so that is killer. I used to drink Janik wines when they were up in the warehouse district in oh, really? Woodenville. That's where mm-hmm. I first bumped into their stuff. And then they moved and built that gigantic yeah. concrete masterpiece up Exactly, there. where you can play bocce ball. Yeah. Well, the amazing thing about this one that Tom and I mentioned to each other as we were looking at things is that Kevin's Food and Janik Wines, good God, and it's $75 a person. Smoke I think and deal. A smoke and deal. Um, and also, when you uh, go to Blue Acre and you park in the appropriate building parking lot they will validate so it's free parking downtown even a better deal i'm saying and orfeo is not such a easy place to park uh, but it is well worth going down there 
and they are doing a Seattle Distilling Spirit Dinner. And that's um, Seattle Distilling. The people from there are coming in, and they're pairing the food along with their current releases. So I think that's going to be really fun. And then um, looks like a lot of seafood on there. I see uh, pen cove mussels. Uh, oh no, some charcuterie and and oh, then we got oysters and lacquered fresh duckling. Yeah, all kinds of wow. stuff. Which I guess that's the thing. You know, people want to pin Orfeo for being a particular thing, and it's not. It's just kind of wide open. Well, uh, when they opened, the whole point was that. It's more about how you're cooking. Like Blue Acre is about the fish. Orfeo is about the cooking. They've got that charcoal grill. They've got the wood-burning oven. And they're doing incredible vegetables as well as some salads that I couldn't believe were so good. Their pasta is wonderful. They're doing a lot of pizzas. They'll come up with a thing and say, hey, wouldn't that be a good pizza? And then they'll make a pizza out of it. So a lot of interesting stuff. Now, before we do the next one, I would just want to mention that one of the things that Connie ran into as she was going through the calendar stuff is we've got some stuff in here that is cool kind of Valentine's Day stuff that isn't like just another Valentine's Day dinner. And that leads us to our next event, which is actually on the 3rd of February. Tell us about that one. It's called Cooking with Your Sweetheart at Fireside Lounge at Willow's Lodge. And Bobby Moore, the chef there, is joined by pastry chef Matt Kelly and and director of food and beverage Anthony Burkow. And they're going to put some fun and easy recipes together that you can prepare at home for your loved ones. So it's a a complimentary class. Seating is limited. It's not a huge space. Just arrive early, get a good seat, and enjoy happier hour. So, you you know, you're going to buy your drinks and everything. But you'll get a free cooking class. That's a great deal. I think it's fun. It would be fun to do together. And then if you really got the great recipe, it would be fun to reproduce that at home for Valentine's Day. Yeah. Or any other day of the year. Now, you were kind of laughing at this now, next This one, one's so. kind of a wacky one. It's the first annual Seattle Whiskey and Chowder Festival. And you know, when you think of whiskey, I know you always think of pairing it with chowder, right? <laughs> so we're, I'm crossing my fingers they make it to the second annual. Well, let's see how it goes. You want to tell us a little bit more about it? Oh, it's just craft whiskey and hot chowder. I, I, I'm interested. You know, it seems just... Something off. There's so much stuff going on that you got to have something going different for yourself. And this is happening so, at. This is at. Um, oh, at, at Foundry, Foundry and Soto. Right, and okay. it's um, five. General admission at five thirty is forty dollars, forty three forty seven with fees. Um, they have an art of the cocktail at six thirty. That's ten dollars. They have cask strength. That's at seven and for ten dollars. So you could. You know, go to some of these or all these, whatever. It's just, I think, going to be kind of interesting. Okay. Now, next one we're going to talk about is uh, DeLil Part 2. Now, we told you about the DeLil Wine Dinner last month in January, and this will be Part 2. And the reason that I'm saying that is because we're going to have Part 3 coming up shortly, too. <laughs> so three DeLil Wine Dinners in two months is... Uh, uh, you can't miss one. you got to go to at least yeah. one. But go ahead and tell us this one about uh, one. it's going to be happening upstairs in the loft at Russell's. Yeah. And, you know, this is another one um, I sort of left. People will send press releases to us, and there's so much detail. When Russell sends it out, it's like, DeLille Wines, live music, five-course, wine-paired dinner, 
That's all you need to know. And it makes me laugh because that really is all you need to know. It's Russell's food. It's going to be fabulous. It's Dalil wine. That's fabulous. It is expensive. It's $150. And that includes tax and gratuity. So not as bad okay, as so you not might as think. Bad, yeah. You know, and there's one, and uh, there's music. Free so, parking. Yeah, free parking. Beautiful location, nice setting, really nice mm-hmm. loft room upstairs there. I've been up in there. It looks like you're in an uh, in a boat that's been turned upside down. Yeah. It's, that, it's gorgeous wood. It's beautiful. Yeah, it kind of looks like the Ark upside down. Exactly. Uh, okay, so then we come to February 11th, and now we're starting, well, you can do the, the uh, cooking class with Bobby Moore. That'll get your Valentine's Day thing started. But on the 11th, and I think this is a brilliant idea, Ray's is doing four nights of Valentine's dinner because you just can't fit everybody in on yeah. the 14th. So it starts on the 11th. It's uh, three courses, includes a little champagne, 58 bucks. You know, there's there's menu items at Ray's that are 58 bucks <laughs> or higher, but you're getting three courses and the champagne for $58, and you have your choice of four nights. So I think that's a brilliant yeah. idea. Also, they're doing um, Valentine's in the cafe. Okay. So that's happening, too. Now, um, that the same, same three courses? No. Um, the cafe will be open from 11.30 a.m. to 9. Over Valentine's weekend, reservations are strongly recommended. Um, I thought it was in here, but perhaps I didn't put the cafe menu in, maybe just the boathouse. But so that's another option. If you really want to get out to raise and don't, don't want to spend that giant $58, um, you know, you could do something in the cafe instead and still be in that lovely area. And because we're limited on time here doing the show, this is where I'm going to say make sure you get online and check our calendar because we have about 30 different events that are going on around the city, and I'm sure there's one. If you want to go out on Valentine's Day, there's got to be one that's right for you. Um, Bell and Wet, we will be doing something, Local 360. Uh, I'm stuck. Oh, here, I'll I'll get you the next one. We're at – oh, me too. That's odd. (laughs) Our – the computers, uh, the went computers down. have all crashed, but we'll get there. Click on calendar and then and then go back and sort by February. It'll yeah. it'll rejuvenate the server. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> all right. Uh, RN seventy four Tilth Skillet is yes. doing something special. Yep. Uh, the Chop Shop. Yeah, haven't been to the Chop Shop. No, this is the Chop Shop is Erica Burks who has Volunteer Park Cafe. Okay, so Uh, okay, and then um, I see here that uh, Golden Beetle has a Valentine's Couples Mixology class on the thirteenth. Exactly. So that's kind of an interesting thing to do as well. You could do with your honey, and uh, you know, it's something different. Yeah. Learn how to make some nice cocktails for the next night. Yeah, exactly. Uh, then you got uh, Sullivan Steakhouse. We've got uh, Salty's Grill. Always a great place to do mm-hmm. a uh, a special day at. And that's Alki and Redondo. Uh huh. And how about Portland? Can I get Portland? I'm sure they're doing. Yeah. Oh yeah, they are. I just Portland didn't put them too. in our. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Cafe Flora. Another vegetarian option there. Always there beautiful. Volterra. Agridolce, looks like uh, a brunch a, and a dinner. I know they're going to be busy that day, aren't they? 
And then you go back to Golden Beetle after your mixology class for the dinner they're going to have on the 14th. Uh, Ernest Loves Agnes. And that's uh, $175 per couple at Ernest Loves Agnes. And if you want uh, wine pairings, it's 100 per couple. Volunteer Park oh, Cafe. I take, I'm, I'm saying that wrong. I'm sorry. It's $175 a couple with wine pairings. Only 100 if you don't want the wine. Per couple. So that's I hope not that's bad. good wine. Oh, per couple. Yeah, that's a good deal. That's really not, you know. Uh, oh, and then now here's, here's something. So let's say you wanted to stay at home. And do dinner at home on Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could still take your sweetie down to Esquin and do a uh, introduction to wine series with sommelier Arnie Milan. Yeah. And that, you know, he is very knowledgeable. I think that would be a very interesting – that starts the series, but you don't have to do the whole series. You can do each one separately. Yeah, yeah. So and that's that from one thirty to 4 in the afternoon. So then you could pick up a bottle of wine, head home, and make a mm-hmm. nice dinner at home, too. And that – Particular class is focused on New World wines, so U.S., Australia, Canada, Argentina, Chile, South Africa, New Zealand. Everywhere that's not France, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Barking Frog, anchovies and olives, Barcato, Bramling Cross. Basically, all of the Ethan Stoll restaurants are doing things, even chippies. Chippies, how to cook a wolf. Market. Market. Rion. Are these all Ethan Stoll? These are all Ethan Stoll's Red Cow. I can't keep up with how many places he has. Staple and Fancy. Red Cow. Yeah, in Madrona. And as Tom said. Tavolata. I always love Tavolata. Oh, so good. And then one of our favorites, there's a Valentine's Day menu at Copperleaf. We love that place. And and if you want to do the overnight, see if they have uh, room there to stay over. Yeah, that would be fun. And the next one's... um, Valentine's weekend at Semiamu. Now that I put a lot of information on the calendar, but it's because they've got like three restaurants. They're all doing Valentine's menus, and then they've got a overnight package deal. So go out and figure out all that. That's a beautiful getaway. Lark, monsoon, monsoon seven beef. I don't see Ponty on here, but they must be doing something. They are doing something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so like I said. It's uh, it's crazy busy out there, and then we come up into later in February. We've already had a, a long discussion last month about the Seattle Wine and Food Experience. If you didn't hear our interview with Jamie, you can play that back uh, when you get done listening to this one. Uh, let's see. And then, oh, um, there was one three-week class guide to Washington wines with Dieter and John Bell. Oh, and look at this. On February 26th, DeLille Part 3 at Semiamu. <laughs> so there's your third crack at getting to a DeLille wine dinner. Yeah. I'm telling you, there's just so much to do. 99 bucks plus tax and gratuity for that one. Yeah. All right. So that's the calendar. You owe it to yourself to go online and take a look closer. And uh, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to have our guest today. It's going to be very fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. We'll see you in a minute. Hi, I'm Andrea. I'm from Bellevue. One of my favorite restaurants is Cactus in Bellevue. I had an amazing dish, prawns with a spicy sauce on top that just made your mouth water. Mmm. Hi, this is Laura from Kestrel Winery in Woodinville in the Warehouse District, and you're listening to the Seattle Dining Show. 
Okay, we're back, and uh, I hope you had plenty of time to go figure out your Valentine's events that you're going to attend now. Um, you know, those breaks are so long. Um, anyhow, I'm very excited today to have two people who are basically legendary here in Seattle, and uh, we're joined together now with uh, Charles Finkel and Roseanne Finkel of the Pike Brewing Company located in the Pike's Place Market. Welcome. Thank you. Welcome. We're so glad you're here. I know from doing an interview with, interview with you guys in 2010 what a very long and rich history you have in both the food and beverage industry. You've owned Pike Brewing for 26 years. Now, is that the sum total or because you sold it and bought it back? That's, it's, that's the sum total. Sum total. That's, Amazing. We've, we've only owned it 18 of those 26 years. Only 18. <laughs> We took an eight-year sabbatical, and then we came back to the brewery. Yes. And that was, that was a good plan. That, all of that, all of your history is covered in that two-part story we did, and people can access that on our, in our archives online. And I would suggest doing that, because it's really fascinating how you got into the beverage, how you guys met, and all the, that led up to Pike Brewing. So, But today, while we have you here, I really wanted to talk more about what's happening now and in the future one of the big things, when I think of you guys and part of your legendariness of you, is that you are huge supporters in the community. You're at every event. You have your own events. And I wanted to talk about some of those today. Uh, the first one that's, um, we're recording this right at the end of January, so it's coming up very soon, is Pike Choco Fest. Pike Choco Fest is coming up this Sunday, this Sunday. January so 31st. That benefits Puget Sound Keeper. Tell us a little bit about that event. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Puget Soundkeeper is a group of uh, supporters that endeavor to keep Puget Sound clean. Mm -hmm. So they'll take canoes and kayaks out on the rivers and clean up that which shouldn't be in our clean waters mm -hmm. and... Uh, Helping. They legislate in favor of clean water and, in fact, take people to task if they, if they don't uh, abide by the, the standards that are oh, uh, suggested for them. That, that said, they're a really nice group of people concerned about the environment, and they uh, and Pike are like-minded. We overlook Puget Sound at, at the Pike, exactly. Pike Brewing Company. And uh, getting back to, Connie, what you said about community and the importance of supporting your local community, that's what we really are all about is local. Mm -hmm. And uh, we, we uh, practice uh, what we preach by offering local food products in our restaurant, the Pike mm -hmm. Pub, by not only brewing our own beer as much as possible with local ingredients, but also offering other brewers, one just down the street, Naked City, we passed oh, yeah. by a few minutes ago, uh -huh. we ha have their beer on draft uh, occasionally. Oh, nice. And uh, hope to have Flying Bike Cooperative just down the street oh, yeah. on our former brewer, Kevin Forum, as a, a head brewer there. Oh, that's great. And uh, and local spirits and local wine, for which we received the, the Washington Wine Commission Award for the last seven years. Wow. So, so, so you're just sticking with the local things to put on tap. You're not going outside of the state. We try not to do that. Though, I'm, I'm thinking in the clear, in the clean water world, uh, you're not going to be putting the Flint 
Michigan Ale on tap. Right? <laughs> we're, we're hoping not. <laughs> we, put, we, we don't buy anything from Michigan that I'm aware of. And, uh, uh, but, uh, for example, with spirits, we only uh, feature and buy local spirits. Unfortunately, here in Seattle, we have more small distilleries than any other place in the United States. It's kind of overwhelming as yeah. to what you want to have in or... If exactly. You rotate it constantly. And, and regarding uh, Pike Chocolate Fest, we call that foreplay before the big day. That's right. And uh, this day, the big day is not Valentine's Day, but rather the Super Bowl. So oh, normally we yeah. have Pike Chocolate Fest a little closer to Valentine's because it is a Valentine's event. But we had uh, we had uh, the we were usurped by the Super Bowl, so we're having yes. it uh, January thirty first, and it is in fact a an ode to local and to charitable giving in the community. Uh, the cost of tickets is not expensive. It's $50 per, per person, uh, and the, all the monies go to Puget Sound Keepers. Uh, but it is an opportunity for guests to learn about local producers, whether it's chocolate, uh, like Trevani or Franz or... or uh, Another half dozen. There's several new ones this year. Several new ones. Mm -hmm. Or if it's restaurants uh, like uh, Ethan Stoll's uh, Goldfinch Tavern next door mm -hmm. or uh, Cedarbrook Lodge or the, uh, the uh, Olympic Hotel, Fairmont Olympic Hotel or Cafe Lago or a number of other restaurants in the community. You think uh, you've been listening to the beginning of the show, don't I you know. think? <laughs> Just everybody we've already talked about. Exactly. <laughs> And so uh, people go, and not to speak of all the local spirits, lots of local wines, uh, lots of, of uh, local beers, including the Cask Beer Festival that includes some of the ones I mentioned earlier, and, uh, and significantly an opportunity to learn, not only taste, but learn about all those products by speaking to the the owners themselves, mm -hmm. supporters of the producer, meet the producer. Yeah, and I like that too because people might think Pike Choco Fest, and it's not mm -hmm. going to be all this stuff. It's just an array of things to eat and drink that are exactly. all local. So it started. It started as chocolate because we wanted to illustrate to people that chocolate and beer are a delicious combination. Mm -hmm. One that wasn't very well known. And then the first couple of years, we've done it now about seven years, first couple of years people said, boy, it'd be nice to have something savory because you can only eat so much chocolate yeah. and drink so much beer. So we added restaurants, we added specialty foods, we added a lot of other things. And uh, this year I think it'll be the biggest and best ever. I was going to say, once an event is successful... It just grows and grows, doesn't it? Well, fortunately it does. Um, we The first year we created Choco Fest, I think we had about 100 people and maybe 20 or so vendors. Um, this year we're on three levels. We start, wow. we're in the market atrium, kitchen, the market, our, the atrium upstairs above Pike, the whole Pike Pub, wow. and all the brewery. That's amazing. So it's it's a great opportunity to see the brewery and see the pub. Yeah. If someone hasn't been there, then they really get the ultimate tour. The full, yeah. <laughs> Maybe you could do one in May. We do Maybe do on May one. 5th you could have the Pike Taco Fest. <laughs> that's a good idea. Well, and we could have Pike Cerveza Rosanna with it because that's Ooh. my namesake beer, and it only gets brewed once a year. 
for Cinco de Mayo. <laughs> Fun. So it's unseasonably seasonable then. Exactly. Ah. He is on this unseasonably seasonable thing today. But we do another great <laughs> event uh, in May to benefit Planned Parenthood, and that is Women in Beer. You may be aware that women all have been the boosters of beer from the beginning of time, and it's only with the Industrial Revolution that men got in the picture. Oh, interesting. So uh, we celebrate that by having this great event with women and women, women brewers and women related to brewing, though we, we proudly accept uh, people of all genders <laughs> to participate in that. Didn't, it seems to me I was reading something maybe in your newsletter that you got some kind of award for promoting women in beer. Was that? Well, we were featured. Up? Oh, I, th- I think what you're thinking of is one of our women in beer, one of our women brewers uh, won a scholarship. That's what it was. To uh, From the Pink Boots Society, yes. which... Uh, is a group of women that come together that are all in related f- brewing fields, whether it's sales or okay. brewing. Uh, and that's uh, Meg Bragg. Meg Bragg. Who recently represented us at the great Alaska Beer and Barley Wine Festival oh, wow. in, in Anchorage. Last weekend. Wow. Oh. <laughs> now, also in October, you do the Piketoberfest. We do. And that benefits the Pike Place Market Foundation. It does. Which we love. That's our neighbor. And that's a great organization, and we're, we're delighted to hear that this year that Cooking with Class, I which know. is one of our favorite, if not our very favorite uh, okay. event other it. than our own, uh, <laughs> will be also supporting, supporting Pike Place Market Foundation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're going to, the proceeds this year are going to go to the senior portion of the foundation, mm-hmm. which kind of keeps in with our 15 year uh, belief that seniors need help. But it's really great that we're going through the market. I'm just it really sure happy is. about it. And one thing that we're so proud of about the Pike Place Market neighborhood is that it is so diverse in every yes. way. And the, you're probably aware the the most expensive condominiums in all of Seattle are right next door to us at the Four Seasons Hotel. Oh, yeah. Yet right behind us is Ross Manor, and right above us is Vincent House, both of which are low-income housing. Mm-hmm. And Heritage House is right there. Heritage House is right there. That's Pike Place Market Foundation. Mm-hmm. But the other two are the Sisters of Charity, uh, Catholic uh, uh, Charity, Sisters of Providence. Uh, that's the Vincent House. And mm-hmm. behind us, Seattle Housing Authority. Uh, and that's called Ross Manor. So because we're, we're there all the time, we know a lot of the people that live in those mm-hmm. places. Mm-hmm. And they're lovely people, and they they deserve a, a warm mm-hmm. home and a good, safe place to live. And, and they're provided that. So mm-hmm. we have a lot of criticisms of the government and how they, how, how they bungle things. But in that, in that situation, uh, there's a lot better than not. Well, and one of the things very early on with Cooking with Class that we talked about in terms of aging and seniors is that I, th- I think it's getting better. Well, it should be getting better with the $15 minimum and things like that. But you could spend your life in the hospitality industry and have no money. You know, if you – there's a lot of jobs in the industry that don't pay a lot. So it's wonderful that the Market Foundation, which is at the market with all the great food and the beer and everything that's – hospitality related that we're giving back and that we're taking, taking care, care of, the, of people the people that live there right that have mm-hmm. all made our lives so fun mm-hmm. you know because they've been exactly. serving us so any other um events that i'm missing right now that you guys do well we, that- we do as you pointed out uh, a myriad of events 
One is Cooking with Class. We mm-hmm. talked about we love that. We love that event. Mm-hmm. And anyone that has the most remote interest in food and has a social consciousness shouldn't miss that event, in, in my opinion. We also do the Heirloom Tomato Festival oh, at Cedarbrook. Cedar Brook. That's a great uh, event. The uh, uh, Hops and Props at the Museum of Flight. That's a really excellent uh, event for, for a good organization, too, though very different. The uh, guest yeah. chefs at the waterfront oh, for yeah. Fair Start, yeah. another great organization. Uh, the Seattle uh, Wine and Food Experience, oh, which yeah. supports Les Dames de Scoffier. That's a great that's one. That's coming up in a month. Okay, right. so that's coming up. So will you have the jetpack on for that? I, I'm hoping I will. Will I be there at that time? Oh, I'm afraid. <laughs> for, for our <laughs> listeners who free. have not seen this, Charles <laughs> has a jetpack that he wears. <laughs> And it's not full of rocket fuel, but it is full of fuel. It's just fuel of the beer kind. But I, I don't he, know if you're aware, when I wear that, uh, I'm anxious to empty it because, it's, of course, yeah. for one thing, it's quite heavy. But at the end of the time, I just push the button a little, the, the, the tap a little harder, and I take off like George Jetson. Ah, okay. Get on to that next so event. You, so you, you arrive on the bus and go home in the jetpack. That's right. Okay. <laughs> Well, I wanted to talk a little bit about some things that have changed this year. You hired two new brewers this year, and Art Dixon has been with you a long time, and he's been promoted to head brewer. So tell us a little bit about that. Well, Art is a seasoned brewer and also a very nice individual. He has a gentle nature about him that we like. And in our case... uh, not only do we we love the hospitality industry, but part of that is service and and people are getting along with one another. So we try to to promote a family environment at Pike, uh, where we all uh, try to get along and <laughs> and have shared values. Mm-hmm. Not only in the quality and taste of the beer, which definitely Art is a a, a great as great a proponent as I know, but just a, ability to to work together. Uh, Art was the second brewer uh, under under the person that left, uh, Dean Wasuzuki. And uh, as soon as uh, Dean left to go to another brewery, Art uh, petitioned to be the head brewer. And we weren't so sure at the time that it was the right thing for us to do to, to just appoint him because he was the next in line. Mm-hmm. And uh, but we even though we got a letter from all of his peers highly endorsing him but we let time uh speak to the that uh situation and six months later he did such a spectacular job Mm -hmm. we were so pleased with the quality of the beer so pleased with the communication that he had with his employees the people working in the brewery and with the management of the company that we uh happily all endorsed him as our head brewer and he's been that now for five, six months, and he's doing doing a really good job. Oh, that's wonderful. The proof of the pudding is in the drinking. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, the other big change this year is that you've expanded ownership. And, again, kind of with the, your theory about how why you do the things you do, a lot of this was about keeping it local and independently owned. Keeping it local, keeping it independently owned, and looking to the future. Charles and I are not getting younger. You look younger, but Thank you're not you getting very younger. much. <laughs> I, I saw those bicycle wraps on the top of your truck out there, and that's an an effort to stay <laughs> at least as young as I feel right now. <laughs> but 
we recognize that there is a lot a future and we this year is exciting because we have committed to an expansion and that expansion would not have been possible had we not brought in three long-term employees as owners mm-hmm. um they are Drew Gillespie who has been at the Pike Brewing since he was 19 years old. He started as a prep cook in the kitchen um, and worked his way up through each level and front of the house and assistant manager and and ultimately proved himself to be such a valuable employee that Mm -hmm. we can't imagine Pike running very well without him. Uh, Patty Baker who has been with us since we bought the brewery back in in 2006. We hired her to be our office manager, and she's worked her way up through um, to be vice president in charge of finance and our controller. And Gary Marks, our executive chef, who's also been there close to 19 years. Oh, no, actually longer, 20 he he was one of he was there within six months of us opening in 1996. Oh so I don't do the math on that yes. as well. But um, so together they have been with us 46 years, mm. and uh, will continue the brewery and the restaurant going forward for hopefully the next 25, 30, oh, 40, so 50 years, next hundred years, whatever. You know, when you build something like you guys have built, you want to see that keep going. Exactly. And obviously it's very popular. It's a huge part of Seattle. So, Thanks. you know, you want to know that it's going to go forward even if you don't have the energy to do it eventually. Right. And we want to be able to remain independent. Yes. And that's how we can do well, it. Well, and after the whole Elysian thing and, you know, all the hard feelings about that because we're such independents here. Well, that that's I'm glad you brought that up because that's just uh, the uh, tip of the iceberg. Uh, the company that that owned that purchased that company is uh, uh, purchasing breweries all over America right. at a rapid pace, and they are the people that are brewing the most crafty beers, not craft beers <laughs> spelled with a C, not with a K. But crafty beers, and what a crafty beer is, is one that wants you to think that it's a craft beer, but it's not. <laughs> it's not. And so uh, people should be conscious. They should vote with their pocketbook and know who they're supporting when they're buying it. Mm-hmm. It's very meaningful to a company like us to have people buy our products, ask for our products. Mm-hmm. And, and it's really important for society as a whole for people to buy local and not support some global giant that doesn't care about the community and uh, is not involved in community activities, Mm -hmm. as we discussed, Uh, and not only with beer, but in almost every category. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Now, Roseanne, you mentioned the expansion, so I want to talk about that. That's a big time this year. The the market's expanding, and you're expanding also. Well, um, we are adding a, a second restaurant, but more importantly, we're adding additional fermentation cellars mm-hmm. upstairs. So we're going up. We're expanding oh, okay. up, not out. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, um, Is that space the, that's already there, or are you building? It, well, it is space that's there, but it's no longer there because it's now been demolished, oh. and construction hopefully will start mid to late February. Oh, wow. So when will it all be done? 
We're hoping by springtime that we'll be oh. able to, to open mm-hmm. both uh, both uh, uh, the restaurant, which will be a seafood centric okay, restaurant, I was say how. and uh, and a really beautiful kitchen that will have a mezzanine level. Uh, we're calling that the brew deck. And that will be a space for private parties that will overlook the whole of our oh, our operation. Small private parties of about twenty, okay. where we can do beer tastings and yes. dinners, and, oh, and the whole great. space which we've taken over uh, will be including the common area that you walk through the atrium. That's connected to the Pike Place Market, so we work. We're working with them, and we're both very enthused about the possibility of doing more events in those two spaces together, oh, Pike yes. Place Market Atrium and the Pike Atrium. Yeah. But then we'll also have additional fermentation cellars that will increase our capacity about 25%. Wow. So, so when the dates come available, you'll let Connie know, and we'll get those plugged into News Bites and we the calendar. And I, we are just about out of time, so I want to ask one quick question of you, and it's like asking you who's your favorite child, but do you have a favorite beer? Do you each have a favorite beer? We do, but uh-huh. it, it changes with the seasons sometimes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Most of the time, I will tell you that Pike 5X Stout is my go-to beer for almost everything. Okay. But since we've been producing Pike Locale, um, I have to admit that it's become a new favorite. <laughs> now, there's like three in that series. Is it? It, will ch- it changes with the barley because it's the, oh, okay. it's the first varietally named beer beer okay and uh so depending on the variety of barley that we're using for the beer the name changes slightly but it's a locale series okay is what it is i I agree with roseanne i I would right now would have to choose pike locale Uh, it's it's a dream of ours to work with farmers that grow the barley because ours is an agricultural product after all Mm -hmm. and the way that beer has been presented to americans uh, uh, since the second world war is as a lifestyle choice rather than as an agricultural product. So going back to the farm, farm to to bottle, is uh, is uh, nirvana for us. Oh yeah, it's perfect. not to speak of the fact that Pike Locale is one of the most delicious terroir intensive beers that you can try. Ooh, we need to take a little trip. <laughs> Thank you both so much for being here. It's just our pleasure to have you. It's a pleasure. Thank you for Thank having you. us. Yes. Thank you so much. My name is Dennis Lucier. I live on Finney Ridge, and I like Local 360 because they bring together a lot of the local things that I find at the farmer's market and around town and uh, put it together in a really wonderful way. Hi, this is Executive Chef Paul Duncan from Ray's Boathouse Cafe and Catering, and you are listening to the Seattle Dining Show. We're back and ready to say goodbye for another month. But as always, we like to end the show with a tip. And last month we started doing kind of a three-prong thing, a tip about eating home, a gadget, and a tip about eating out. I was giving a tip. You were giving a tip. Jamie was giving a tip. And this month... I'm giving two tips. You're giving a tip that you're kiping from Ethan Stoll. I am because I he gave this to us years ago, and I and still think it's great. it was a good great. tip. Yeah. His tip is to... 
use mineral water when you're cooking, just like sparkling, like Evian or San Pellegrino. So if you cook with it from soups to sauces to braising vegetables, the mineral quality and slight saltiness is a good vehicle for flavor, especially vegetables. So the water allows the vegetable to be the primary flavor, not the stock. And when you cook with the sparkling, the bubbles just cook off, so it's not it doesn't leave it, you know. Okay, so I got an idea. Okay. I like to make my own soup stocks mm-hmm. or my own vegetable stock or chicken stock. Mm-hmm. Should I just go get a couple of liters of sparkling water and and do the stock with that instead of tap water? Definitely. Oh, I'll have yeah. to try that. He's He talks about it being a one-to-one ratio. So. Oh, okay, with water. Yeah. So I don't have to spend a whole lot of money on mineral water. No. Because, you know, some places it's just sky high. Oh, yeah, and it is a, he, he, <laughs> he acknowledges it's a more expensive way to cook, but if you want to let your vegetables and that flavor shine, that's what's going to allow it to come through. So Okay. My, now, now, your next one is uh, uh, one that I sort of instigated because I uh, was finding things in your kitchen that needed to get replaced. Yeah, this is a... This is really one of those no-brainers, um, but you will recognize yourself. I am not the only one who does this. Uh, you, When you're younger, you're setting up your kitchen, you're getting stuff going. Maybe you got married and got a lot of wedding gifts or something, um, and then that's it. So one of my favorite tools right now is a garlic press because Tom got this for me, and honestly, it's so incredible. It makes pressing garlic so easy. And there's really no uh, rocket science to this. It's just new. I seem to remember not... your old garlic press was like painted yellow or something, oh. wasn't it? And, it? and you just couldn't get the garlic through it. And I it was know. like, what's going on here? I'm sure that I spent about 26 cents on it 32 years ago. Yeah, you might and have I got never it got the rid Valley of it. Village or something like yeah. that. So um, the tip is replace your tools every now and then. You won't believe how much more fun it is to cook when your knives actually cut through things and your garlic presses beautifully shoot out the minced or pressed garlic so in fact you know what i would recommend Hmm. go look in your kitchen and if you didn't if you've been buying stuff over the years and amassing these things a little by little and maybe you haven't bought anything for like 10 years just get rid of everything get rid of it all and all and start new go to ikea or go somewhere and just build yourself a new 21st century arsenal of kitchen tools i guess but i think it's more fun to do it a little bit at a time and then you look forward to the next purchase it's really nice when you open your drawers and you got everything you want right there that's true and it all works good yeah heaven all right all right and i got a eating out tip and that is, um, before you leave to go to the restaurant you're going to with your partner, a plan to share. So this is really easy to do at Asian restaurants, but we do this sometimes at American we restaurants. We get a we get a burger and a chicken plate, and we split the burger and we split the the chicken or the corn dog bites. Or yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Usually, it's like an appetizer and dinner, or a salad and dinner. The idea is for us is that we want to eat a little less. But also, I love flavors and different textures, This, which, which is why I love dim sum and sushi so much. Mm-hmm. But when you're going out for like an, a re- regular American dinner or regular plate size, if you share, not only do you eat less, but you get to have a more, more, more flavors, different more types dishes. of things. Yeah. Yeah. And that works for us real good because, you know, when we go to a restaurant, we may not be going back there for three years. We want to taste a lot of different stuff on yeah. the menu. So smaller plates, share them. No matter what it is, that's my tip today. Excellent. 
All righty. Time to wrap up. Um, we want to thank you for joining us on the show. If you're not already a subscriber to our online magazine, it's free to do so. Just visit www.seattledining.com and click on subscribe free. We want you to dine well. We want you to dine safe. And we want you to dine often. And don't cook like my mother. Do not cook like Tom's mother. We'll see you next month. Thanks for listening to another edition of the Seattle Dining Show. This program is a copyrighted production of Mixed Media. It may not be reproduced in part or in whole without written permission of the legal owner, all right? However, feel free to share the link with all your friends on Facebook. Studio equipment for this broadcast was purchased locally at American Music of Fremont Icon. The views and opinions expressed on this show are exclusive to the hosts and guests and do not reflect those of former employees of Bill the Butcher, the Surrogate Hostess, the Beeline Diner, Louie's Chinese Cuisine, the Doghouse, the Five Mile House, Charlie's, the Twin Teepees, Ocean Air, Benjamin's, the Madison Park Cafe, or any other lost Seattle icon. Subscribe free to our monthly magazine online at seattledining.com and join us next time for another edition of the Seattle Dining Show.